Computer, play me a podcast. Parameters. Star Trek The Next Generation. Time period, early 21st century. Program loaded. Green Shirt, a newbie's trek through the next generation. With your hosts, Cameron. How does the holodeck work? Marcy. Guys, it looks like a dildo. And Rob. I think a lot of the things in the show, yeah, not bad. This week's episode, The Enemy. I was in my car today, actually, and I see out of the corner of my eye this little thing crawling on the Ugh. roof of the car. I don't know where this is going. Oh. And it's a spider. <laughs> and it's a big ass Eight spider. <laughs> Eight legs. Oh, I'll let you count them. And it gets into the spot in the Marcy, windshield. Just your hand is getting close to me, and I'm getting <laughs> nervous right now. I know. I knew you'd love this. <laughs> And so there's the windshield in front of you, right? Mm -hmm. And there's the plastic piece that comes up kind of over the door that Mm -hmm. connects to the windshield. And it crawled past my visor. So it's sort of like hiding in the corner behind my visor. And then I start seeing it go down that like tunnel (laughs) where the, the windshield and the plastic piece connect. And it kind of slowly goes down there and it starts creeping out onto the dash. It was bright enough to where I could see it would like turn and it would look at me and you could see kind of the little glinting eyeballs Mm -hmm. and like, and we were looking at each other and I'm like, I'm not Cameron. I'm not deathly afraid of (laughs) spiders, but I was nervous and I had like 30 minutes to get to my work and I didn't want to stop for the spider. Mm -hmm. So I felt like we were in this stare down for like 30 minutes straight where he would like creep back into that area and he'd crawl back up. And then he'd crawl back down. As long as you can see him. It was like totally black, but it was a fuzzy spider. And it looked kind of like a jumping spider, which oh, is sh- also scary. Because it's like any moment, he, he turns and yes. look at me, he could jump at me, right? I mean, I would drive the car off the bridge <laughs> at that point. No regrets. <laughs> and it had a red back, oh, like a red it. back. And I was like, an hourglass. don't. Well, I knew it didn't look like a black widow, but I was like, doesn't red usually mean like poisonous? And so eventually I did get to work, but it was still there and it had started to crawl over to the actual window where I could like roll down Uh the window. So I had rolled the window all the way down and it was sort of like creeping right there. Uh So I quickly jumped out, went and got my like umbrella and started like poking at it to try to like (laughs) toss it outside and then it crawled inside the body of the car oh shit so it's still in there that That happened to me once (laughs) while i was ubering i had passengers and i noticed them over on the uh the passenger side visor and i was sweating bullets hopefully it wasn't that long of a ride but i was like my eyes were just on him the whole time it's really distracting because I was thinking of you the whole time because I was like, (laughs) why am I freaking out so much? I mean, if it lands on me or crawls on me, I'm not going to crash the car. So I have to be in control of this. So I later did, Andrew looked it up as we were driving Mm. to the airport and he like went through a bunch of spiders. (laughs) And we did find out that it's a redback jumping spider and it did have little like white spots that I noticed. And so it was a female redback jumping spider. Mm. I once had a rat living in my car. (laughs) God. For weeks, I was finding like things chewed up in the trunk. I think I could get from the trunk into the back somehow, like through the seat. And then one day, I found a big dead rat in my car. That Gross. Died. That was cool. I called it a sewer hamster to make it a little less, <laughs> a little more palatable. Ah, it's a sewer, sewer hamster. hamster. So that was fun. Oh. Well, welcome, audience ears, to another edition of Green Shirt. I am Cameron, who is finally receiving just a straight infusion of the next generation into my eyeballs <laughs> and here to make sure i take my medicine my co-hosts my frenemies the magneto to my dr x it's rob did you call him dr x it's professor x you fucking dumbass <laughs> this is a star trek podcast and not an x-men podcast I can say what I want, okay? I just say that as your frenemy. That's why I... Dr. X. Dr. X. Did I say Dr. X? I took it up a notch because... That's uh, funny. It's it's deserving. (laughs) And the... uh, The cat girl to my Batman. (laughs) That's good. I love it. Uh, Marcy. I'll take it. (laughs) Hey, cat girl. (laughs) This week, we watched 
the enemy. Oh, I thought we watched Enemy Mine. <laughs> oh, did you watch Enemy Mine instead? <laughs> Oops, I watched wrong movie. We definitely, I mean, it's basically Enemy Mine. Pretty much. Uh, which in turn is a remake of Hell in the Pacific. Oh, yeah. It's a great, great movie. That's right. Yeah. Lee Marvin, Toshiro Mathune. Have you Mifune. actually watched that movie? I have. Oh. <laughs> Are you impressed? Uh, yeah. Because I was have sure you actually... that you like said it just to say that you said it, like saw it, uh, but no. I've, I've not watched it, yeah. but it's a great, haven't. great ending. Oh. How's it end? Controversial no. ending, I'm not going to say. Is oh, the, one of the soldiers Now my pregnant? mind is just like, what could be controversial <laughs> Lee Marvin at that gets time? pregnant. Isn't Gossett Jr. pregnant in the Maybe enemy they mind? become yes. lovers. Maybe it's Man. like a broke back 1940s movie. Could be. <laughs> Let's just talk about that for this whole episode. <laughs> it's been so long since I've seen either one. Yeah. Uh, no, we did watch The Enemy, and um, it gave me all of the uh, high-stakes diplomatic tension that I've been missing in the real world lately. <laughs> oh. <laughs> No, I'm just beset on all sides by fraught international relations. Yeah. You need to quit that job at the UN. (laughs) Focus on this podcast. (laughs) That's where the money's at. But we begin on a lightning planet. Can we do the part of the podcast where I do my impression of the planet and you guys shout at each other? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Marcy! Hey, there's some stuff over here! I don't know about you guys. I enjoy some charged particle precipitation on a warm April afternoon. Yeah, and electromagnetic radiation. Who knows what it could do to us, but let's hang out here. Don't bring Data down here. We'll have to wipe his ass for a week. (laughs) That was good, you guys. (laughs) It was was a good planet. Yeah, yeah, good planet. I don't know why they would go down there. It seemed miserable. The sound effects were good. I mean, I like that you did that because (laughs) they reminded me of, um, because of all the... Lightning, yeah. uh, the sound effects from Red Sonia at the very oh. end when she's uh, Queen Gedrin is using the talisman and the castle starts crashing down and it's like <laughs> sounded just like would that. a Red Sonia Xena mashup be something you would totally like marry? Uh, yeah, <laughs> you so outnerded me just now, Marcy. Yeah. Congratulations! You know the name of the characters in Red Sonia. <laughs> I watch Red Sonia so many times as a kid which is probably bad because there's so much like head lopping and like um cod pieces and weird bloody i mean it's bloody and gross but i think that actress was in a playboy that my dad had brigitte nielsen yeah (laughs) she's weird (laughs) have you like i've seen interviews with her and she's i think she's Swedish or Danish and she's oh, weird. really tall and just like just a strange personality but interesting mm. not like creepy or anything but so yes they they intercepted a distress call and they're down there looking for the source of this distress call they decide to split up I do love that Riker when they split up he kind of he looks behind him as if uh, to see if anyone's watching him he's like all right I'm going to go find some stuff to put my leg up on. Yeah. <laughs> he pees on stuff to mark it, too. Yeah. Every planet. Every planet, he's got to leave a mark. Riker's a cat. So it's Worf, Jordy, and Riker on yeah. the planet. They yeah. shouldn't split up. That's a bad idea. Yeah. Well, Seems like it. Although, I guess if you only have 14 minutes, you got to get as much, yeah. cover as much yeah. ground as you can. Worf does find something. He finds a Romulan. Don't have... they find the crash site first? Yeah, they find there. You're right. Thank you. I just didn't care. Yes. No. And they have, <laughs> no. they have yeah. blown up they... post crash. They blew up. The yeah. Ship. So the Romulan, at least one Romulan crashed here in his ship and decided to destroy the evidence afterwards. That sounds sketchy. Yeah. I believe this actor is Steve Rankin because okay. the character is Patak. Is that right? I don't, don't... I don't know if they ever actually say his name. I believe Patak is the one that he They is. just keep referring to him as the Romulan. Right. I'll Three of these actors today that we're going to talk about were in the TV series from 1989 called The Equalizer. Two of them are in Alien Nation. So he's in that, in Alien Nation. He's going to be in, um, he was in The Adventures of Risco County Jr. Nice. Yeah. Starring Bruce Campbell. That's right. Uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. He'll be there later as a Cardassian (laughs) officer. He was in LA Confidential. Nice. Men in Black as an INS agent. And finally, a little X-Files, a little NYPD Blue, Sliders. He likes the sci-fi. He was in Voyager. He does exude uh, just like malice very well. Ooh, a jag. He's <laughs> in <a> jag. <laughs> and uh, even though he is fatally wounded, he almost overpowers Worf. Worf's Warf- wind up to the punch, though. Was oh, a man. Long wind up. It like, was. Ah. He had a, he I don't know why you have to like <laughs> charge that. Uh, charge it. <laughs> it's like a Street Fighter move. <laughs> it, was a, it was a pretty sweet palm strike, guys. <laughs> 
This is when I, I thought, at first I called it a lightning planet, and then at this point I called it a fog machine planet. <laughs> There's a lot of fog. Well, and he drags that guy back and just tosses him on the ground at their rendezvous point. Meanwhile, I like it's the guy who can see the best is the one who falls in a hole. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can see. Okay, guys. It's no problem. Whoa! Holes don't have a uh, different heat shakeness signature. <laughs> well, also, it's like a completely perfectly round hole that he falls down into a pit. But it breaks through, right? Doesn't he? He break breaks through, through something. He does, yeah. but it's like perfectly round. Sure, sure. And he gets Matt Damon on the planet as they have to teleport away. And then he Velma's around for his glasses. That's when Velma looks for her glasses. <laughs> and he Velma's around. <laughs> it's a much better verb than mine. Oh, what's yours? Matt Damon. Oh, okay. <laughs> well. He's been velma <laughs> He Velma's around. And then he yells, war! I wonder, I think, I feel like a lot of this was ADR. And a lot of the stuff on this planet is ADR. So I like to picture uh, well, the actor. Uh, LeVar Burton. LeVar Burton, thank you. I like to picture him in a recording studio just yelling these things <laughs> commander riker <laughs> he yells wharf a lot more than Riker. i, I was gonna say <laughs> at first i think because he says says wharf like three or four times and i'm like is he like not even gonna t- he knows riker's up like sticking his dick in a rock somewhere <laughs> yeah oh man wharf 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 so they they beam up and cool gurney crush yeah it is the cool gurney and why do they wait for the gurney and not just teleport them into the med bay? Oh. They've had this gurney like three or four times recently. Really? I don't remember yeah. seeing it's anything. Cool. I want to cool. ride on it. I want to do like races down the corridor in that thing. Yeah, because I remember seeing it because it's so low. I feel like all of those guys are going to hurt their backs like putting people on this really low gurney. Huh. Crusher look. is snotty towards Worf, who I am totally with here. Like yes. Put a guard outside that door. And Crusher's like, he's not going anywhere. Very unprofessional, Crusher. This is Worf's job is to protect you and and neutralize any possible threats. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I said the same thing. I was like, he's doing his job. He almost got Vulcan nerve pinched. (laughs) And this guy is the enemy, pretty much. Like they're the titular enemy. Yeah, I did it. I said titular. He's not the titular enemy, is he? Well, I mean one of them. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, you do need a security detail. Crusher. Absolutely. Well, he's unconscious. And he's I do fine. love, it's, it's a small moment, but after her little remark, Worf just looks at the security guy and the guy gives him a nod as if to say like, don't worry, I'm not listening to the lady doctor boss. We don't listen to women. <laughs> no, but it, Not it, when they're being flippant. <laughs> no, not when they have a mouth on them. I, it did make me wonder if like the med team and the security team have like this rivalry, like a frenemy rivalry going. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but then we're in the trans- tele- teleportation room, and we listen to O'Brien. The electrical storm's creating thousands of ghosts. Well, beam some of those ghosts back. One of them may be Geordi. I thought that was funny, because I just... What if he just started beaming random <laughs> shit up? And then also, like, you wish... One, you hope one of the ghosts is Geordi? Because that sounds dark, too. Like, maybe it will beam his dead body up. Thousands of ghosts. I just like that scene. I mean, Riker is stressed out for the rest of this episode. He is. He's well, real snappy, yeah. snippy. We'll get to more later, but yeah, he lost definitely... one of his crew members. No, I mean, for for good reason. I'm not, but yeah, critical of it. But it, it's it's he's it's a the jerk. smallest subplot of this episode, but it's interesting. Yeah, he's kind of a jerk the whole episode. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Jordy's stuck in his very round hole. Uh, we get some new Jordy vision. <laughs> it's a very psychedelic. It's <laughs> yeah. looking at the less predator, more uh, more 70s acid trip. It took me a while to kind of figure out what he was doing. So he tries to climb the walls, can't get out of the pit. Mm-hmm. And then he sees some ore with his visor. Yeah, you don't really know what he's up to at first, but it's definitely survival porn. Right. <laughs> and then so he digs this ore out. And when he makes that line with his fingers, mm-hmm. I just, I was like, what, what is happening? Like, I just <laughs> didn't get it. It's a mold. He's making a shiv. Well, <laughs> after you, like, I was like, okay, I, I guess he's making spikes. And then, when did you realize that, though? When he had the spike when in he his had the hand. Spike. At first, I thought he was making fire or light or something. It's it's weird editing at first. I could yeah. tell he was melting the stuff into a shape. Oh, okay. Well, it didn't look like a spike shape to me. I didn't know what he was going to do with it. But then, yeah, right. the next scene, you know, he thinks the planet's a vampire and is just stabbing it with stakes over and over. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I guess that's what he was making? I don't know. And he climbs out of the hole, gets to the top of the hole. We cut back to the ship. We come back. 
and it looks like he's in a cave again. Like I, <laughs> I was so confused the first time. I was like, "Am I missing scenes? What's going on?" No, why don't you ask Doctor X? You fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Look, what about, like, apparently the- you're not familiar with issue 237 of The Secret Universe, Wait. where Professor X's lesser-known, less successful brother, <laughs> Dr. <laughs> X. That's Dr. Strange. Oh, shit. <laughs> well, I don't know about you, but I was like, Christy missed out because... <laughs> oh, shit! <laughs> Jordy has been hitting the gym since being rejected he, by Christy. He's climbing up that rock wall without even using his legs. That he's is not LeVar Burton. Using, <laughs> he's just like using only the spikes and his arms Upper to climb body. this wall. That was badass. <laughs> Holy and, shit, and yeah. And then they'd cut to actual Jordy with like the fake exertion <laughs> and you'd be like, that's not yeah. him well, doing he's, it. He's dating the ship now though, right? Well, so. he's, he's getting ready. He's like, one of these days I'm going to meet the real Leah Brahms and I've got to be ready. <laughs> I heard Marcy tell me last episode that I'm going to meet her for real. Got to get those pecs. Biceps. Also, there was perfectly made holes for, for his spikes to go yeah, in. What, like, no, he's what, stabbing him into the dirt. What ore was that that could just like penetrate rock like like so? It's a, you know, that's what rock climbers do. A, a super secret sci-fi future metal. It's crazy. You guys don't know shit about rock climbing. <laughs> <laughs> this guy is aggressive. He's the enemy today. I guess I shouldn't have given him that beer. Oh, man. I'm halfway through this beer. It's a, a totally chill. Uh, yeah, but no. I mean, it was, it was fine. It was just a little confusing what was going on. But I liked seeing Jordy kind of, you know, have to survive. He was uh-huh. he was dirty. Yeah. That was some real was mud gross. acting from LeVar Burton there. Super gross. <laughs> is there such a thing as mud acting? Yes, so. is now. <laughs> well, it's just because he's in like a set, but then they brought in real mud for him to like crawl Roll around, around in, in and well, draw some, lines. Some of your other favorite mud acting scenes, like <laughs> Raising Arizona when they get out of the oh, John Goodman. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Shawshank Redemption. Shawshank. Well. Anytime you escape from prison. Well, yeah. guys, motherfucking Predator. Uh, oh, good. yeah. Great I am here. That's great mud acting. Whoa. <laughs> We just remembered like five mud acting scenes. <laughs> now it's time to do some Arnold. Since yeah. we well, I'm down here with Jordy. <laughs> We're gonna get off this planet. Don't worry. Oh, Arnold, can you show how me how to how to Wait, bicep lift my way up the there's wall? There's something out there. Oh, <laughs> uh, what if what if there was a predator on this planet? Yeah, you didn't get one I, issue to you when you joined the Federation. No, you need four pips for that. Now I want to see Jordy versus Predator. Oh, on the planet. They both have their vision going on. He's covered in mud. They both keep like flipping from like infrared to like electrovision. I don't even know. Like he always flips through all the different like ways to see yeah yeah but why are there so many ways to see there's lots of different um, there's lots of ways to see marcy atmospheres out there <laughs> you just named two and one of them uh, was totally made up i think jordy would get oh man why does a star trek out? have gatling la- lasers <laughs> crusher needs compatible ribosomes mm-hmm. yeah apparently she could work on mintonkins just fine who are also related to vulcans but romulans nope can't do anything with these guys that's crazy that they've never helped a Romulan before or have their genetics on file they fight a war with them and then like you didn't get a Romulan body and like well the nice thing is when she's casually talking she's like not even looking and like putting injector stuff in her injection Mm -hmm. machine and acting very casual about her medical skills other than the snotty remark at the beginning i do like her in this episode isn't her hair a lot shorter in a pre like in a really recent episode yes it is Yeah, it's been short, and now suddenly she has hair extensions. (laughs) And then the next episode, I guess she has short hair again, because they just filmed it kind of out of order. Do you think that, like, the replicators can just, like, give you any hairstyle whenever you want? Or at least extensions. Yeah, I mean, but a hairstylist would have to put them in. I mean, what, are you going to stick your head in the replicator (laughs) Uh, and have it attached? uh, You don't don't think it can just make your hair grow? No. the, The teleporter should be able to. Hmm. Just be like, teleporter, you remember when you teleported me last month with long hair? Do it again. Like use use that signal. <laughs> Good. Wow, I don't. I That's mean, how they do haircuts. In but the then future. wouldn't you be you? I mean, they don't do separate things. They don't take like. Can you make my hand my hand from like three years ago? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> We've talked about this. Like, if you lose a hand, like the teleporter, they talk about how the teleporter has a recording of how it teleported right. you before. Wow. It should be able to put your hand back on. 
I think we can only talk about this for 15 minutes. Okay. Here yeah. we go. Hey, okay. Well, I'm going to get into the universal translator later, so let's uh, cut this one short. This is very interesting to me. <laughs> I wonder how long your your stay on file in the teleporter. Yeah, that's true. Maybe I think they, they must scrub it. delete it every single time. Because could you imagine how many, like how much data that would files. be? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the guy wakes up, the Romulan wakes up, and... He's very adamant. I will not answer your questions. I was only me on the planet. But no more questions. And at first I was like, well, that was some weird writing. But then Picard calls him out on it. He really wanted to tell us that bit of information. That's the lie. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Well, and Riker does this weird interrogation technique where he just puts his hand on the Romulan's chest. Tell me information. And the Romulan's like, no. I'm going to put my hand on your chest. Tell me information. No, I don't really want to do that. Do you think the Federation has torture techniques? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I was going to bring that up later with uh, Worf. I bet Klingons aren't above torture. Yeah. I mean, they, they're in their paint-sticking guys in the balls <laughs> every other day to get information. I bet the Federation's evolved past it. Yeah, it doesn't yeah provide they wouldn't let that happen. No. It doesn't provide accurate info anyway. I do True. know Romulan's torture. Oh, shit. Oh, it's shit. It's one of the best episode well that's because you're fucking twisted marcy no it's a very famous episode i can't wait for you to watch it it's a meme right it might be yeah probably three lights no don't i know what you're it's a meme i was but i was gonna play dumb it's a popular i didn't know those i didn't know those romulans Mm. shit (laughs) i mean i don't know i don't know that it's torture i have this pulaski technique where i can make you forget it call it the Pulaski method. <laughs> I do like every time they come back from commercial in this ep- episode, I don't know who directed it. I forgot to check, but like, it's always like a, a very uh, impact shot. Like here, it just starts with Riker turning around and like barking orders. Later, uh, it starts on Picard's ass, but he, he put his hands in front of his butt because he's like, they're not looking at my ass from the shot. But you know, the camera was just like there at butt level. Huh. I didn't notice that. Yeah. Me neither. Great. I will spot a Picardian ass. <laughs> yeah. And imagine them in Jodhpur. That's right. They weren't in Jodhpur. Now we're on the bridge at this point, yes. And uh, uh-huh. and here's this week in... Is this this week in Technobabble or is that something? Something. Anything to cut through the storm. Some way to get a signal through to him. So a neutrino pulse. Neutrino pulse. We could build a portable neutrino source and send it in a probe to the planet's surface. It'll act like a beacon. A neutrino pulse would send non-charged particles back up through the atmosphere and oh. would be detectable by Geordi's visor. No he can show us that he's found it by modifying the pulse. Make it so. Actually, that was one of the best technobabble mm-hmm. scenes because of the energy in which Wesley is so excited to be part of this show again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you got to really sell this line, Will Wheaton, or else you were back on your ass. Yeah, but I like this this scene partially because later... Jordy calls back to it when he's crawling through the mud and then he hides in a cave and looks up and sees it once they've oh, landed Wesley the probe. Crusher. Yeah, I mean, I like that, that he like, knew it was Wesley. How did, have they been like having sleepovers and building neutrino <laughs> pulse beams? Yeah. Oh, okay. Or Can't he have... knows them well enough nah, I know. to know, I like you know, it. and I like that, that part. fucking nerd. <laughs> That's all it made me think, yeah. Oh, Wesley. <laughs> only Wesley wow. would know about he's neutrino pulses. Nerd. Yeah, he's the only... Rob is like... Got salt. some rage today. I'm feeling Riker salt. I'm salty like, salty like Riker. No, no, like Jordy's ribbing him like, oh, Wesley, you fabulous, fabulous fucking nerd. I'm so glad. Uh, is this where we see Commander Tomalak? Tomalak to pie. They intercept his, uh, he's trying to communicate with the downship. Apparently not even a coded message or anything. No. Just sending it into Federation space. Are you okay? <laughs> Hey, secret mission we didn't want the Federation to know about. <laughs> yeah, this guy, I, I do like him. And right. we'll get into like the, the Romulans more later. But he is kind of a terrible liar, which is kind of the point of the scenes. But Well, I think that's part of the Romulans' persona is that they're super arrogant. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, okay. You know yeah. I'm lying and I know I'm lying. Yeah. But what are you going to do about it? Because exactly. Picard's so honorable mm-hmm. and he doesn't want to start a war. The Romulans, I don't know if they care if they start another war. Well, I mean, they obviously don't want to. Otherwise, they would have. But right. I don't think they care as much as Picard. Right. Do you want to hear about John Snyder, that actor? Yeah, yeah. he seemed kind of familiar, but I oh, couldn't. Man. I have a lot to say about him. <laughs> okay. First of all, his biography on IMDb. I don't know if he wrote this. 
Anyone lucky enough to have seen his work never forgets the incredible richness that John Snyder brings to film. With his uncanny Christopher Lee demeanor, Joe Strummer looks, and James Mason-esque gaze, it is perhaps his haunting and indelible voice that makes his career so legendarily paved. Wow. And then followed by another paragraph of all his, like... His mom His wrote Boston that. University of Fine Arts and 60 plays, films, and blah, blah, blah. And John Snyder's been in 129 things. Tons and tons of anime. Tons huh. of anime. He was, like, early on, he was in The Warriors as a gas station man. Mm. Lupin the Third, like, weird animes from the 70s, like, 79. Mm. Uh, Little Miami Vice. Also, The Equalizer. Uh, Knight Rider. Fist of the North Star. Crocodile Dundee as a pimp. <laughs> uh, Akira. Bartender in Akira. Mobile Suit Gundams, Giant Robo, like just hundreds, like a Cowboy mm-hmm. Bebop. John Snyder. Mm-hmm. He's so smarmy. It's a smarmy, smarmy Romulan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, you... hey. Oh, no. Oh, I, I, I wasn't ghosting you, Picard. How, how are you doing? <laughs> it's a one-man craft. <laughs> Trust me. Picard uh, makes some references here. Captain, I see no reason to return the Romulan to his ship. He should be held and interrogated. Agreed. We have every right to detain him, sir. But without evidence of intent, number one, it will not be a simple matter. It obviously wasn't pilot's error. I think it demands a response from us. But we must measure our response carefully, or history may remember Galond and Kor along with Pearl Harbor. And Station Salem 1 as the stage for a bloody preamble to war. I, I was going to look that up. What's Station Salem 1? Station Salem 1. Sure, this is the only time it's been mentioned. Okay, look it up, Marcy. Is this the first well, time it's mentioned? I'm sure. It's actually a real-life thing that we should all know about. It's probably in a novel. <laughs> we haven't mentioned Galorndon Core yet, which, like, every time they say it makes me feel funny yeah. in a good way. Galorndon Core. I could just hear him say that all. Galorndon Core. Galorndon Core. But yeah, I mean, I, 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 I mean, I agree with Worf and Riker, but I do enjoy Picard stepping back and looking at the big picture because he's realizing they are on the brink of a historical moment, and their small decisions now could ripple out through the Alpha Quadrant. Yes, Marcy, you're smiling like you know something. <laughs> well, unfortunately, this is the only time it's ever mentioned in uh, Star Trek. This so, is my surprise face. So somebody was going to go off on what their assumption and what it might have been, and I was like, well, I'm not going there. <laughs> oh, you didn't, you didn't go to Memory Gamma? Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's go to Memory Gamma. Let's see what this says. <laughs> oh, no. Um, station Salem Mun might have been a space station or a planetary facility. <laughs> oh, Ooh. A deleted scene from season four's family would have revealed that one of Jack Crusher's ancestors died at Station Salem 1. I bet Station Salem was where the space witch trials happened. (laughs) (laughs) There was a, they murdered a bunch of space witches. So we are back in the med bay with uh, Crusher. Why, the med bay is busy too. Like they've all got the Rushton infection going on down here or something. (laughs) And and then why, again, going back to, Crusher and, and Worf's little moments. Why, why is he just in the middle of general population? Certainly there's a more secure med bay for this. He's, he can just put a force field around him or, or something. something. He's, he's just right there. He's fucking... <laughs> <laughs> he's out. He's knocked out. Okay, Crusher. Yeah, he wakes up <laughs> twice enough to... Strong enough to like she pull a Klingon down to him. She has to wake him up. Well, not the second time. Not the second time. And not the first time on the planet. Okay. Worf's pheromones wake him up, too, apparently, every time Worf's around. But, yeah, she has this great line here where she's talking to Picard about how nothing's working with this guy. I think I'll try a little old-fashioned country medicine. Keep the fever down, try to let the body heal itself. A splint? What's that? (laughs) I always love when they talk about old techniques. I thought she was going to throw open a cupboard and there was going to be a bunch of roots she was going to start milking for her root juice. Ah, I'm going to make a... Jeez. I got some crystals and uh, <laughs> some sage. We're gonna... Yeah, let's get some gluten-free uh, food up in here. Get my and... oils. I'm, my cooling a, I'm cooling a pie on the windowsill. <laughs> <laughs> the smell of fresh baked cookies will always, has never done anyone harm. Oh, I just learned a really interesting medical fact mm-hmm. um, about how um, this hospital had a way back in like the 1800s, a wing that was uh, medical students and doctors who were treating 
pregnant women who were having babies and at that time people still died a lot from giving birth and then there was midwives on like the other wing and the mothers giving birth on the side with doctors and medical students were dying at a much higher rate than the midwives and so way back then they didn't really do well with the scientific experiment but this doctor just kept trying to figure out why is this happening and then he learned that when somebody would die all of the the students and stuff would go downstairs and they'd work on the dead bodies and then come back up and oh deliver the babies. But the midwives would just be sitting around knitting afterwards. <laughs> and uh, so the then he was not like... not as dangerous or deadly as corpses, is what <laughs> well, you're telling me? Well, and then he's like, oh, well, maybe there's some weird particles that come off the dead body. <laughs> and he tried to implement a hand-washing policy. And Oof. he did. And then the women on the doctor's side stopped dying as much. But then everybody thought he was crazy because they're like, we're gentlemen. We're not dirty. We don't have to wash our hands. And so uh, he kept pushing for it and pushing for it because it was saving lives. And then they're like, oh, yeah, we need you to go do this lecture at this insane asylum. And they lock him up. What? And it's not twenty until 20 years later that they actually implement like hand washing as a thing. Such a controversial topic as washing your hands after handling dead bodies before delivering babies. <laughs> yeah, but back then they didn't know about germs. No, it was yeah. before no, germ yeah. theory. So it's just like, he, but he was like, he knew that that was what kept people from dying, mm-hmm. but nobody cared. That's crazy. I thought that was a really cool that fact. Is. Yeah. I mean. I don't know why it made me think of I just of don't that. know how to get out of it. <laughs> Galorned and cold. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we're back. This is where it looks like uh, Jordy suddenly appeared back in another cave. But I think he's just like in the the canyons of the planet. Yeah, yeah. He's scaling the wall like he's a contestant on Wipeout. Well, then this this is after they shoot the dildo probe, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so I didn't sorry. Notice that it was a dildo. It was real dildo. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, Rob. Way to pick up on uh, a dildo I missed. Yeah. Somebody's got to. <laughs> Uh, and Jordy's grunting. This is another time I like to picture him in the, the ADR booth going, just going, uh, All right. LeVar, uh, just uh, a little uh, more in the, the chest. Grunt, uh, a chest grunt. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, now from, from the balls deep. Balls uh, deep, LeVar. That's uh, good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yep. That's it. Nailed it. Uh, he sees the beacon. He sees the beacon. There's some creepy feet appear behind Ooh, him. Ooh, that was creepy. That was a good mo- scene. Not great shoes, but... Yeah, I know. They're like rubber boots. <laughs> yeah, they're like rubber booties. <laughs> yeah. But it was creepy. And uh, Jordy gets captured. Gets beamed. This he is gets when knocked I, out. This is when I really noticed that all Romulans have bad haircuts. <laughs> they, have, <laughs> they, they all have, have bowl cuts. Really bad. what my daughter's character looks like right now, actually. Oh. Your daughter's a Romulan. Jow! Do you want to know about this guy? Oh, yeah. This is the last the last of the three. That is. Bakra. 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 Centurion Bakra. Okay, sorry. Before we get into him, how does the universal translator work? Uh, I don't know. I mean, one, how is it working on the planet surface between these two? I think it's in their emblem, their communicator. Okay. You think like everything else is being fucked by the, the charged particle precipitation, but okay, that's fine. Why would it? Why are the Romulans centurions? That is a specific term to Roman soldiers. Like that's how that's, it translates the word. That doesn't make sense. Why not? Because it's specific to Roman soldiers. It would it would just be soldier bakra if, if it was it just translating to, it, or just another way to like no, I, say I sir. Yeah, sir. I wasn't sure. I mean, I think it's a way to make it more fun. It's poetic license. Yeah. I know, but. It doesn't make a lot of sense. I guess some in in the next four hundred years, maybe centurion became a more generalized. Or term. maybe that's a term that the humans put on the soldiers of the Romulans, oh, okay. and so the translator just uses that because mm. it's a word that they can't. Okay. They can't easily translate into something that's human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Maybe sounds maybe better that. than soldier. Yeah. It sure. It sure does. Okay. Sorry. Who is this? Andreas Katsulas. He's in sixty-one things. His first two projects. Are in foreign languages. Iavgi to Thrimavu and O Ipoyoitas Kai to Violotu. Better than I could have done. A for effort. <laughs> uh, so he's in a lot of yeah, foreign language stuff at the beginning and then an ABC after school special in uh, in 82. And then Max Hedrum in 87. Mm-hmm. He's Mr. Bartlett. Mm-hmm. And The Fugitive, the Harrison Ford movie. He's Tomalak in four episodes of Next Generation. He'll Tomalak? be back. This is Bakra. 
What am I doing? Oh shit! Did I screw up? Oh, which one's Tomalak? Oh shit! I'm sorry. You'll have to. We get some angry tweets when I <laughs> misidentified. Bo- Are you saying all Tomalak. Romulans look alike? Oh shit! <laughs> okay, we'll change what I said about uh-huh. about uh, okay, Tomalak. So this guy was in a lot of anime. That yeah, makes more sense. Tell us about Tomalak then. Yeah, Tomalak was in Max Headroom and Fugitive mm-hmm. and Hot Shots Part D. Oh. He's Tomalak in four different episodes. Okay. Well, that answers my question is if this plot line comes back, because I was sure hoping it would. And that's, uh, yeah. So that's Tomalak. Whoops. <laughs> Andreas Katsoulis. All right. Well, we're back here with Bakra. That's all that really matters. Yeah. The Romulans are definitely overactors, both of them. But I like it. I mean, they, they get the, the message across. And, like, kind of with the Ferengi... Like, the aliens in Star Trek look so human, like, they have to act big to make them feel alien. So at least, like, they do. They feel like a different race to me. Mm-hmm. He opens his eyes real wide. Yes. Oh. Uh, but uh, Jordy is one cool cucumber. You are my prisoner! Right. Congratulations. He sounded like Arnold. <laughs> Surely a strategic triumph prisoner. for the Romulan Empire. <laughs> Stay there! He is angry. Shoes are getting full of sand. I just hate that, don't you? Name and rank. Reminds me of my date with Christy. Lieutenant Commander Geordi LaForge. I don't think I got yours. A Romulan ship will arrive shortly. You will accompany me on board. I don't think so. See, we heard your message too, and well, the fleet's in, Commodore. Sky's full of Federation ships. Good bluff. You're lying. I never lie when I've got sand in my shoes, Commodore. This is where I wrote, if Christy could see him now. <laughs> yeah, it was a little cheesy. Yeah. I thought yeah, it was A little, funny. but I don't know. I liked it. It was out of, it, he doesn't act, uh, yeah. He sort of delivers these lines in ways that he doesn't typically. I guess so, but we've never seen him in this situation before. He's just. True. I feel like he's a little too laissez-faire about it. Yeah, a little sassy. But just listening to um, LeVar Burton's voice just mm. every time brings me back to reading Rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when he has that sort of like, I'm just joking around. Mm-hmm. We're having a fun time. And he never really acts like he's scared of the Romulan once Mm-mm. the whole time he's on the planet. I mean, he climbed out of a, a pit, man. Yeah. He's been at, he's, <laughs> he's a badass. He's covered in mud. He's yeah. And luckily, some rocks fall right onto Yeah, the Bakra. set falls apart of some styrofoam, uh, hits Bakra. Good timing. And Jordy, grab the fucking phaser, okay? Yeah, no it's shit. nice of you to help him, but just grab the phaser. Yeah. No kidding. I no, was like, duh. he's been hit by rocks. Kick the phaser away. Yeah. Like That's a writer problem. That's not, <laughs> that's not a Jordy problem. If I was LeVar Burton, I'd be like, I'm not doing this. Yeah, find another way. If there was, if they wrote some way for him to like, for, like... If he had gotten he was hit also, too or something. Yeah, yeah, they were like struggling, both of them struggling to get away, but... Yeah, I mean, I understand him helping the guy, but just grab the phaser in the or process. if he had a second phaser in his boot or something. Like, Jordy, <laughs> if Jordy had, had kicked the phaser that he was holding and then he was like, oh, but I have a backup, mm-hmm. that would have been better. Meanwhile, we get to the, uh, the other main subplot of this episode with, uh, we learn that Worf is the only ribosome donor... Available yeah. for this uh, Romulan on the yeah. Bay. What are the odds? <laughs> well, I don't know. He is the only Klingon on board, so if Klingons fit. That's weird. <laughs> so, Klingons see nothing alike. I mean, they're, they have both have kind of ridges on their heads. <laughs> yeah. I've seen Worf's ribosomes. They don't look anything like <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so how does Worf answer this? This episode makes me not like Worf anymore. What? Really? Yeah, dude. Fucking. (laughs) This is, he doesn't, they don't write, I don't believe he would deny this guy. Ah. See, I mean, I I definitely disagree. Especially after Picard is like, yeah, no, I'm not going to order to order you to, but I'll be very disappointed in you. And Doris like, okay, fuck you. See ya. (laughs) I just, I don't, I don't think he would do that. I think. Even after the guy's like, I don't want your dirty blood. He, I think he'd be like, cool, you're going to get it. So <laughs> Interesting. Because yeah. that was a big debate, actually, with everybody, all the actors and things uh, and the writers. Because Dorn didn't think Worf should refuse. And ultimately, the writers were like, well, 
he's Klingon, he's not human, so he has a different way of dealing with the enemy than humans do, and we needed to to point out to mm-hmm. the audience that he's not human and he does respond to certain things differently than humans i feel like he's more start more starfleet than klingon though if you were like if you don't give him your ribosomes you're gonna start a war he would be like oh cool no problem here's my ribosomes i mean i do wish that they had brought the tactical argument to him which they never do because earlier Worf says we should keep him and get information out of him and no one seems to say Worf, if you save his life we can get information from him so we can have a tactical one-up on the Romulans. And also avoid war. And Well, I don't know if he'd really care about war, but he doesn't want to lose the war for sure. I mean, I think you guys are thinking from this from a very, like, logical standpoint. And... Well, I'm trying to think of it from a warrior standpoint. A warrior would want a He's coming from an emotional place. Well, that's true. His parents were murdered in front of him by Romulans. They're his ultimate enemy i think it's petty i think Worf is petty i think Worf has I no think... issue with like starting a fight and, and he also let a fight he let the romulan die a a uh, like warrior's death too i'm like i think he would let him survive i don't think he would let him die like a proud you know and i think he should have had a turn where he's like okay i'll do it and then they find out he's dead i, I like, like too late he to made the, the turns I, I kept yeah. waiting i i thought there would be a turn but i kind of like that they just stuck it out and were like I think just nope. Worf uh, is a, a petty motherfucker. I don't it's think not he's petty. petty. It's <laughs> my a Portuguese man killed my parents, so I hate all Portuguese. That's bad. I think that <laughs> he <laughs> he took an opportunity to go try to see the Romulan in a different way, and he was confronted by how the Romulan felt about Klingons. And Klingon, and he could have overcome that if he wasn't petty. I think maybe he's a little petty also, by human standards, but Klingons I think it love is war. I mean, yes. that's part of their culture. I think it's in keeping with his character. Yeah, I will say. I mean, to your point, I do think that the writers do have trouble balancing his Starfleet and Klingon side. From the season one, I've been like, it seems like Worf would be more human, being that he was raised there from a very young age. But he does, for whatever reason, does genetically have a lot of the Klingon uh, well, and what, mindset inside of him. What about Picard not just ordering him to do it? He had the option to say, "Well, yeah, that's not the kind of thing do- Picard would do." Well, <laughs> but it sounds he like- could have stopped a war by ordering him to do it. it sounds like let's hear it <laughs> from like Dorn. Dorn didn't think the character that he and played. then at the end he actually agreed. So that's I didn't get to that point, but <laughs> Dorn said that. Well, now that I've seen it. I think that maybe it was more Klingon to to have him refuse. Lieutenant, I understand your feelings about the Romulans, but this is not the time or the place. If you had seen them kill your parents, you would understand, Doctor. It is always the time and place for those feelings. This Romulan didn't murder your parents, and you are the only one who can save his life. Then he will die. I think it would have been. It's worse by the fact that he is responsible for Jeremy's mother's death, and Jeremy is not going to hate Klingons the rest of his life. Like that just just he's happened. not responsible the same way. He he's, takes responsibility. He's pulling for a it. Liam Neeson here, where he wants to go hate crime some Romulans. Yeah, that's where I had a problem. With, well, look, like, I'm not. I don't like black people because one killed my okay. Look, killed I my family. Like I that's agree. Bad. The, I think the episode does a great job of juxtaposing this point of view with Jordy and how he deals with the titular enemy on the planet. And I think the episode, and I think most of us would agree, that Jordy's way is better. Or even that Crusher is right in that yeah. speech. Everyone who talks to Worf is right. But, but it makes his character more interesting that he stands by his Klingon ways. And also just the fact that Sometimes you have to allow people their personal freedom over their body, whether you agree with it or not. Because Picard chooses not to order him to give over his blood to this other person. I just think that Picard and Riker both have better, have solid points made to him and they don't budge him and I can't figure out why. I feel like the scene where he goes down to visit the Romulan, like he was willing to give them a chance, I think. And this conversation? I would rather die. Then pollute my body with Klingon filth. I like, I do like this guy. <laughs> I love the music here, too. But yeah, I, I 100% thought at that point Worf was going to be like, 
Doc, bring in your fucking tubes and stuff. I'm gonna yeah. stick this guy full of my filth. He doesn't want it. I'm gonna. I want to get. Yeah. Like, can get can we get like a skin guy, graft of my ass cheek and slap <laughs> it on his face too? Totally. Uh, that's not what he did. <laughs> that's called yeah. the high ground, but a low version of the high ground. Yeah, I, like, I like the idea of one of the characters being flawed, and yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you that his point of view is wrong, but I think it's more interesting. Like Cam said, that he doesn't budge. And it's stupid. It's emotional. It's usually we're used to Worf being the honorable side of the Klingon. But in this one, he's definitely taking that very hard line. You know, they are my enemy. To be fair, it is easier for us to have this point of view because by coincidence, they find another Romulan on the planet and everything right. is okay. If they didn't find a second Romulan, If then... this had ended in a total bloodbath uh, and Wesley's severed testicles floating through space, why does it have to be testicles? I don't know. Come on, Cam. Uh, <laughs> then, then, yeah, then I, 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 I might not be so adamant about that turn. I mean, Worf could have... I don't know. I'm done talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm over it. I just thought less of Worf. I think less of Worf after this episode. All right. That's your choice. Um, like I was just saying, though, I did like the music a lot in this episode. I did I did think when we went back to Jordy and Bakra on the uh, planet that they didn't... They made a weird choice down here when they started, uh, you know, talking to each other. Getting to know you. I'm glad this came up right after this conversation. Yeah. And then Jordy starts... <laughs> Singing in a falsetto is, is very strange. Which I don't know. version of this did you watch? <laughs> I, I watched the Disney version. Uh, did you guys not watch the Disney no, filter? No, 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 no. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, no, there's, yeah, this is definitely where we get into the enemy mind territory, and they start uh, really relating to each other and talking. And, and I, I like all these scenes between them. Yeah. I wrote enemy mind right there, too. <laughs> all right. Well, this might be a time for my quiz, oh! then. Um, maybe it won't be as hard as I thought it would be for you guys. <laughs> it's all uh, about enemy mind. It's all enemy mind. <laughs> it's called frenemies. <laughs> when uh, movie enemies become friends. So it's all movies, and it's just going to be uh, me describing the friendships or mm. frenemies, and you have to figure out what movie it's from. And if you can come up with the names of like either the actors or the character names, that would be fun too. If we but... could try to nerd out by how much we know about the thing. Yeah. So here's number one. These two men learn that you can go from being intergalactic enemies to my two dads when the situation is extreme enough. <laughs> Enemy mine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Randy Quaid and Louis Gossett? Louis Gossett. Yeah. It's not Randy Quaid. It's uh, Dennis, Dennis Quaid. Quaid. Dennis Quaid. I'm sorry. I did, not <laughs> did you imagine that? <laughs> <laughs> okay. What two movies showcase, so it's two movies, mm-hmm. showcase unconventional cop partnerships that start with hate and end in platonic love? And there's more than two, but I have two specific ones. 48 Hours. Wait, is it that one? Uh, Lethal Weapon. Yes. Oh, okay. Could be any of those cop And another movies. one. See so if oh, you can come up with another one. Alienation. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> well, not uh, the Denzel Washington, Ethan Hawke one. Uh, the Tom Hanks and the Dog one. Uh, that's a good one. <laughs> Hooch. Yeah, Turner and Hooch. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop? Think of Marcy. I like to add a little bit of the feminine persuasion uh-huh. into it. Lace, uh, Cagney and Lacey. Oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> the heat. Yes. Uh, the heat. <laughs> But you, I knew you would be able to come up with like a thousand yeah, of those. That's right. Um, surfing and skydiving bring them together, <laughs> but the break. law totally is tearing break. them apart. Mm. <laughs> Rob was nodding to he knew it too. I almost, I just couldn't think of the title as fast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this cop doesn't know what he's in for when he teams up with a wisecracking convict to bring some bad guys to justice. Is that forty-eight hours? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and another forty-eight hours. Yeah. These brothers have a centuries-long rivalry, but it wasn't until that one moment that you knew brotherly love can endure anything. Highlander? Wolverine? <laughs> brothers? I, I didn't know if he was brothers with Sabretooth. No. Um, <laughs> what is with this guy? <laughs> My X-Men knowledge is oh, You mean Dr. Sabretooth? Saber <laughs> <laughs> the Honorable Mr. Sabretooth? Rob Michaud knows what I'm talking about. It's not Highlander? Yeah, it's not Prometheus. That's the only thing I think of with Rob. Oh, my God. Uh, okay, wait, wait. Just chill out. Centuries Marcy. old brothers. Um, Underworld? No. What does Rob 
dress up well in constantly as an outfit for like Vikings, <laughs> Thor. <laughs> oh, Thor and Loki. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering if Rob is going to get this the instant that he hears Maybe. it. Okay. One is tough as nails, the other book smart. These ladies need to learn how to make friends to get through one of the toughest academies around. Is this wicked? No. The craft. It's the 80s. Oh, no, it's not Police Academy. No. Okay. Mm. It's the worst witch. Yeah, right? I don't know. Rebecca de Mornay is in it. Yeah, you're going to have to do better than that. <laughs> F- it's about the FBI Academy. From the 80s? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's ringing a bell, but I can't remember the name. All right. It's Feds. Oh, uh, yeah. <sighs> feds. You found a hole in my uh, knowledge bank there. Because I kept trying to find ones where friends become enemies and it's women and it's not a romantic comedy. Uh-huh. And there's it's not a lot. Far between. Uh a metal man and a badass mama comes come to terms with their animosity for a common Terminator cause. to Judgment Day. That's right. <laughs> Team up. <laughs> <laughs> Name two movies featuring adorable natural enemies learning that prejudice is learned, not inherited. Mm, Fox and the Hound? Yep. Oh. <laughs> Kim is making some of the weirdest uh, faces. Homeward Bound. The dogs are friends with Ooh, that's a good one. The dogs are friends with the cat. I think that count, yeah. counts. Okay. But Zootopia was what I was uh, thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't see Zootopia. That's a good one. You need to that's watch it. Yeah, it was good. Um, okay. He thought he was the hero in this story until he saw it was really the professor who sacrificed everything. Uh, Dr. X? <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Uh, the professor who sacrificed everything. Oh, uh. oh, it's Snape and Harry Potter. Yes. Ah. Oh, <laughs> Whoa, he totally rocked you in Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, in your face. You stuck that Potter up my. Okay. Okay, this is the last one. It takes dogfights and tragedy to get these two hotshots to stop posturing and recognize each other's skills. Would that be Maverick and Iceman? That's right. And Top Gun? Yeah. So but lots of frenemy movies out there. Lots of frenemies out there. That's right. That's high drama, mm-hmm. for sure. One day, at the end of this, by the end of this podcast, me and Marcy will have uh, come to terms. We'll become <laughs> frenemies. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... But yeah, no, I, I I like all these scenes here. I, I, I think uh, it's very revealing about the Romulans. I do love how like he starts getting some respect. He's like, oh, you you have a disability that you survive with. I respect you for that. How did it happen? Oh, you were born with it? <laughs> Ew. I, don't know, I thought that was some nice turns there. Uh, we learned that, oh, no, there's been a polarity shift in Jordy's visor. And is something is turning his, like, synapses are turning to goo or something yeah we did learn that earlier that being on the planet disturbing like fuck your shit up his synapses are turning it's like that's healable (laughs) i wonder if it's like another one of those radiation moments just like they've got 23 minutes (laughs) right (laughs) uh but he is finger acting the shit out of that visor when he takes it off (laughs) you can see through it for a second it's just bars those, I never really thought about it. I always kind of thought it was like a computer screen oh, inside. Oh, yeah. No, there's like there's a, a mesh screen between the bars. And, you can kind of see through. But you can see through it, yeah, yeah, which was interesting to me. I've never seen that before. I do like. I always like when, his, when he's wearing his contacts and he's got his little flashy red lights on it's his creepy. temples. I do love the flashy lights, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I like when he asks them, if this, if, is this one of those times to mm. die for your ideals? Do you have that? There are times when it's necessary to die for one's ideals. Do you believe this is one of those times? Just covered in mud, sitting in a cave. Is this is this how you want to go out? <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, you're not wrong, Jordy. That was, that was a good line. That's a good line to try to convince somebody to stop being a dumbass. Yeah, he does convince them. I love this uh, moment here where they like decide to work together. Adapting the neural output pods of the visor is tricky work. It can't be done by touch. And I will be your eyes. 
<laughs> yeah. That guy's face when he says it. It's like mouth. Yeah, it's like, uh, help me your it's like, eyes. He is definitely feeling the melty synapses yeah. at that point. He is <laughs> <laughs> and letting the audience know that his synapses are you. Like day old ice cream. <laughs> I did, I was think, I, I went through a lot of songs trying to figure out which one to put you. It's crazy that his visor hooks up to his tricorder. <laughs> like you can't get, you know, like can't get phone your phone know, charger. Right? You can't charge any kind of phone with any kind They're of. They're both Apple products. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. IKEA made them. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, back on the bridge, this is where Worf comes to talk to Riker, and yeah, this subplot of Riker just drowning his sorrows in every color of alcohol. Oh, yeah. sure. Although, also it's. Red, blue, and yellow are the alcohols next to him, or is he just drinking the dyes that they used from, to make the uniforms? Or, or the weird things from the medical bay uh, that yeah, are in the they background, do look like that. <laughs> or uh, pee, <laughs> or pee. One of them is pee. Because yeah, this whole time he is upset about losing a guy. And there's an earlier scene where he's like over Wesley's shoulder. He's like, "What's that? Is that Jordy? No, Commander, that's just a, a, a blur. It's a ghost or something." And he's like, "Oh." What, what, what about that? Is that Jordy? No, that's that's the peanut butter for my lunch. I'm sorry. Is that Jordy? No, that's Commander Tomalock. He's been on screen for the past 20 minutes. Uh, I'm number one. Are you Jordy? <laughs> so are you saying that the next time we see him, like Riker's actually just drunk? <laughs> just like cranked out on his mind? Well, he can no, hopefully teleport the, the drunkenness from like <laughs> teleport himself in from an hour ago. That's yeah. right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I like that Worf is like, oh, you're busy. I'll come back later. <laughs> well, and then he goes and talks to Picard. At this point, we're in red alert. And I, I've noticed for the first time that there's like red alert lights on the wall and another the set of lights time? under him. So I'm guessing that's yellow alert. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Or at least in in like Picard's office or all through oh, the ship. Okay. Apparently. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, but yeah, I, I do like the scene between Picard and uh, Worf. I, what I love about a lot of this episode is like every scene is a negotiation. Like almost every line has just layers of subtext under it because everyone's trying to convince each other of something else. And I think this is a, a good example of it from the scene. I have not had cause to complain, Captain. Oh, Lieutenant, you wouldn't complain even if you had cause. So this is like, they're just jumping right into the dick-sucking part of the negotiations right here. Like, <laughs> oh, Captain, your phallus is much longer than mine. Oh, perhaps Worf, but yours is girthier and has that magnificent ridge upon it. Do you think Klingons have ridgy cocks? Oh, what if For their, sure. their oh, penises have a ridge just like where their forehead is? So. It's, it's basically a targ down those pants, isn't it, Worf? <laughs> but yeah, so they... The, the phallus talk only lasts so long before, as we talked about earlier, we get disappointed Papa Picard and disappointed everybody. Yeah, on the no crew. one is happy at the end of the scene, yeah. especially Rob. Yeah. Right. I wrote, War sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you're supposed to feel kind of disappointed in him because he isn't acting like the humans are acting yeah, well, the way you expect him to. I 100% thought the turn of the scene would be Worf being like, well, uh, <clears throat> I can't volunteer for this, Captain, because I already did! Hey! And then confetti would come down. Or, but no. What is the turn? Too late. Dead. Dead. I mean, Picard says, I'm not going to order you. I'm begging you. <laughs> like, that <laughs> broke my heart. He's like, oh, I, was. Picard yeah. was on his hands and knees trying to get him to do well, this. Well, I think that's why I love it, because it is such a different scene for this show, because normally it, it is all about, like, right. the mutual fellatio between all the people on this Metaphoric fellatio, guys. Come on. Uh, and and <laughs> this, yeah, <laughs> this is the scene where it is fellatio blocked between the two of them. I watched the Cinemax version. Oh. So. <laughs> I, don't I don't know. know. Riker's Riker's argument was compelling to me. She's like, I don't know. Klingons kill a guy. You think that everybody should say Klingons? I don't know. Like, yeah, I mean, the, sometimes you can have a really good argument and people's feelings still win out, and that's a rough place to be like when you think you know someone and then you realize that no matter how much you argue about something it's not gonna make a difference yeah. anyway as seen here that's right i can't this, i'm out of here i'm gonna storm out out the way i want to jump out the window storm isn't that a dc character uh <laughs> guys hmm. storm is an x-man what no that's not right 
She's part of the uh, Green Lantern Corps. No, she's no, not. That's, I don't, I don't you're thinking of Guy Gardner. Oh, my God, Cameron. That's how, Get it together. Al Jordan and Guy Gardner and Jon Stewart. So, <laughs> Daily Show. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's uh, the first thing you said that's right. <laughs> this entire episode. <laughs> so, Picard learns that they found Jordy. Jordy and Bakra like got their shit together and they found the <laughs> neutron emitter and everyone's hey there they are oh they've got a Romulan okay we're, we're gonna make this work Picard says he tells Riker to put on his poker face and, and then he basically tells the truth to the guy like he doesn't they don't bluff I, I guess he's bluffing because they don't know 100% that right. it's a Romulan down right. there they just assume yeah but I mean could what, be a what's... ghost Romulan <laughs> <laughs> I guess so I guess so yeah yeah yeah, yeah I, so maybe he is bluffing a little I don't know yeah <laughs> What's happening? I found, I, I found my torture note <laughs> finally, and I, it's just that it's not connected to anything. It's just torture. Data's soulless violin. Oh, what? I, I made a note of like, how would they torture the Romulan for information? It's like, oh, maybe they'd have Data go down and play his soulless violin oh, playing for him. I get it. <laughs> I so when they tell Tomalak that his man is dead, he rage hangs up on Picard. Yeah. You don't hang up on Picard, man. Um, we learned this. Return my officer at once. Commander, you have entered Federation space despite my warning. You forced the situation. I will not leave without him. He's dead. Oh, shit. Could have been a more diplomatic way to tell him, I think. <laughs> <laughs> at this point, they are just both pissed at each other. I just Could love have been the like, way we tried to save him, but he's dead. Picard always just cuts to the chase when somebody dies. Your mother is dead. He's dead. Yeah, he's, like, he's not good at that. He's, he's just dead. Bad news. He's just dead as Jeremy's mother. I will get into it. Whole story. <laughs> Yeah, that's one thing I like, too, is, like, obviously the Romulans are up to some shit here. Like, we know Tom Locke is full of shit. At least on the surface, the arguments he's making against Picard do kind of make sense. Like, hey, look, we we just want our guy back. Like, you're going to threaten us with war over a life? Like, what, what are you talking yeah. about? So I, I do, I, I like a lot of the conversations between all the characters here. I guess the reason why I'm just all about they are obviously up to something and if the Romulans had a Federation person, they wouldn't even, they would be like, I don't have anybody. What are you talking about? And they would take them and do terrible things to them because you learn about that later in the season. So I'm a little bit like, I'm colored by my idea of who the Romulans are. And so maybe that's why I'm a little more forgiving to Worf, um, just because I feel like. You There's a lot of scenes that they show you of the Romulans where there isn't any empathy. They're assholes. Yeah. So Picard knows that they've got uh, a card up their sleeve, and he starts talking to Tomalak, even though he's not listening. And I like when he walks up to the screen, and he's like he's talking to the ship. Oh my god! I know, I know. We've talked about this a lot before, but like, I want to see what the what the Romulans are seeing as Picard's pacing around. Like, yeah, he goes nose to nose with the ship on that screen. Up to the screen, and the ship <laughs> like looks a little bit when he's like standing right by the TV, and the ship is a little bit face like. So it's just like he's talking, he's like I'm talking to the ship. Right now. It's funny. It was cute. And thankfully, the storm hasn't covered over again, so, and they're still able to teleport him up after Picard's long and eloquent speech. They're so muddy, it's gross. Yeah, they are pretty dirty. <laughs> uh, Worf's in the background being like, don't ask me for my ribosomes. Not giving him any ribosomes. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a good scene where they uh, transport them straight to the bridge. Yep. Worf's already trying to get the security team up and Picard... Picard. Picard. <laughs> Picard shuts him down. Picard Accords. I think this is a good point for Worf to finally to be shut down, even though every single scene he does mm-hmm. get shut down. It's like, you know, cool your jets. Yeah. You already killed one Romulan <laughs> right, today. Yeah. And then Belay that order. Jordy's empathy with the guy. I mean, that's a good scene where the mm-hmm. Romulan trusts Jordy and trusts that he's not gonna get killed by the Federation I also love that the people. first thing the Romulan says, like, I didn't tell him anything, boss. Yeah. Okay, don't worry. I'm not a traitor. And, of course, Picard's like, yeah, sure, navigational error, my ass. But <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's back to smarmy. Uh, Tom is back into, total back into smarmy mode. Oh, yeah. well, this was a good meeting, everybody. Right. We're glad we could work together. I know, I like how they say, like, oh, we'll, we'll escort you back. And I just imagine, like, the two ships holding hands as they <laughs> escort back. 
Uh, but yeah, he says something about brinksmanship that I enjoy. Close call. Too close, number one. Brinksmanship is a dangerous game. You know, like the Tide Pod Challenge or Jumanji. <laughs> <laughs> Do we get more Bakra? We get more Tomalak. Did Bakra come back? No. Oh. They could be friends. They could have a. I know. A he probably got fucking spin-off. executed back on the Romulans. Friends? The blind guy helped you live? <laughs> Uh yeah, pretty good. You guys want to rate this one? I do. One to ten ribosomes. <laughs> How many ribosomes <laughs> am I willing to give a filthy Romulan? How many matching ribosomes you'll have with ribosomes? I say ribo. So I you say, say rebo. Now I'm mispronouncing ribosomes. Right. It's titulars, right? It's not titular. No, I know. Tide pod. I finally get it right. Tid pod. Tidpod. Keep work. Keep keep work. <laughs> uh, I thought this was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but not. I had some some issues with it, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, seven, seven and a half. Oh, right. I, I was gonna say seven or eight. I think I'm just gonna I'm gonna say eight. I did I did had a pretty good time with this one. I do wish Picard had been lying to Tomalak more. Like I think it would have been more interesting if if there was they were equal partners in the bluffing game. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty much it was just Tomalak being a dickhole and picard being completely forced kind of calling him out on it yeah um but i mean yeah i i really enjoyed this one i thought this was a great episode yeah i was gonna say seven ribosomes i mean i think they brought obviously brought up issues that are important that make people think about how would you react in these situations and i like the Jordy and bakra uh, plot. I thought that was fun. I Even thought... though Jordy acts like some of the lines that he says are kind of weird. A little, a little cringy at times. Cringy, but it's still fun to watch them become friends, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I really, I enjoyed it. I hope we spend a lot more time on this planet. It's very pleasant. Yeah. <laughs> a lot more mud acting. So we've got some social medias for you all to check out. We've got the facebook.com slash greenshirt. At greenshirt87 would be Twitter. At Green Shirt Podcast is our, not photo bucket. <laughs> Instagram. Instagram. That's our uh, GeoCities. Definitely come and follow us on Instagram because I have a pathetic following on there. And we need more. I'm, tr- been... I'm trying to get uh, in- interesting stuff that isn't everything that you see on Facebook. So you might see some other things there. there. You should get some bots to follow you. That always works. <laughs> I think I've gotten a, like, there was this weird person who followed me. It was like. Hi, my name is so and so. I love your podcast and this and that. And I was like, huh? Yeah. And then I looked up. It's like this super attractive guy's like, no, a super attractive <laughs> guy is going to be following Green Shirt podcast and listening to it. Like, I am liking it. And oh, he oh, he had but he had like three thousand followers, and he only had like. Like, he'd only followed, like, four people or something. Marcy's not saying that you <laughs> listeners are ugly. <laughs> She's just saying that attractive people don't listen to our podcast. <laughs> and uh, don't forget, there's always iTunes for you to rate and review us. How many on. stars should they rate it? Uh, you know, maybe five. Oh, that'd be nice. Okay, what's next? The next episode is The Price. Hmm. Huh. Well, I bet it's uh, Ferengi related, so maybe they get lost in Ferengi space and they have to uh, they have to escape in like a Running Man style kind of competition <laughs> that all the Ferengis watch, and uh, the doors kind of like open and this shadowy figure comes out looming over him, and then it steps into the light, and they realize it's Bob Barker's frozen head on Drew Carey's desiccated body, mm-hmm. and it's The Price Is Right, and of course, <laughs> no one on the ship knows how much anything costs. <laughs> So uh, how will they get out? I told you Cameron likes desiccated bodies. Yeah. (laughs) I think this one's about um, uh, a backwards colony accidentally watches uh, um, The the Last Man on Earth, which stars Vincent Price, and they think he's a god, and they say, oh, The Price, it's our god. Or maybe they listen to Thriller, uh, the Michael Jackson song Thriller, and the Vincent Price breakdown in that song. They're like, oh, I like... Anyway, it's about Vincent Price being a god. Oh. The price, just like the Picard. Sounds good to me. (laughs) The price. Tune in next week, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Bye. 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 Galond and core.